On today's episode, we are joined by Dr. Mickey Collins and Dr. Anthony Contos to talk about the work that they do with athletes suffering from concussions. Stick around, let's be better athletic trainers. Before we start, I want to take a moment to thank UPMC Sports Medicine for their continued support of PATS and athletic trainers in the state of Pennsylvania. For more information, check them out at www.upmcsportsmedicine.com. Dr. Collins and Dr. Contos, thank you for coming on today's show. How are you guys doing in Pittsburgh today? Cold, but nice. Thank you. Yeah, it's great. The sun's out. That's a rarity, right? Yeah. So some of our viewers may or may not have uh, known Dr. Uh, Collins and Dr. Contos. They work at the UPMC Sports Medicine Concussion Program here in Pittsburgh. Um, they are the first and largest research and clinical uh, program focused on the diagnosis, evaluation, management of concussion-related mild traumatic brain injury. Uh, gentlemen, uh, why don't you talk to us a little bit about what concussions are? We'll just kind of start the show off there. Well, as athletic trainers, all of you should be familiar with the pathophysiology of this injury. And the word concussus literally translates from Latin to English to mean to shake violently. Brain moves in the skull. The membrane to the neuron will stretch. Potassium leaks in, which increases the demand for glucose or energy. But calcium leaks in the cell, which results in the vasoconstriction and less cerebral blood flow. All concussion is, is a, is a metabolic crisis. It's, it's an energy problem to the cells and neurons. There's no blood, there's no swelling, MRI is normal, CT is normal, but there's an energy issue. And what we've learned now is there's actually different types of concussions that can occur from that energy issue. And that's really what we're specializing in here as a program is, is identifying these different types of concussions and then targeting our treatments to the different types of concussions rather than this homogenous sort of one size fits all approach. We're not big into concussion protocol here because it's not about protocol. It's about process in terms of how we treat this injury. Yeah. You, you know, if you've seen one concussion, you, you've seen one concussion, so to speak. And, and that's where that multi-domain assessment piece that, that Dr. Collins just mentioned, you know, you want to look at what's going on cognitively. You want to look at anxiety mood. You want to look at the vestibular and ocular systems. And so we've developed tools that, that allow us to look at each of those systems and then tailor really the approach, the targeted active approach. And that, that active piece is an important part. We don't, we don't want to wait to be active with, with these athletes and individuals with concussion. We want to get them on a targeted active strategy right away that, that really is designed to minimize symptoms and impairment and accelerate recovery. And, you know, to break that down a little bit, we've really learned that there's six different types of concussions, cognitive, vestibular, ocular, migraine, cervicogenic or neck, and anxiety and mood. And for each, think of those as six interlocking circles. And for each of those circles, there's different risk factors, there's different symptoms, there's different exam findings in the VOMs, there's different neurocognitive profiles on impact. There's different presentations that we see and in order for us to treat the patient, we need to know where the aberrant signal's coming from. And if you can figure out what type of concussion you have or concussions, because it, those aren't mutually exclusive, you can have two or three of those circles. But once you identify the type of concussion that's going on, we then apply a very targeted treatment. And that's much different than the international consensus guidelines 
that have this one size fits all approach about, you know, if you had a concussion, rest the beginning, start exertion. If you have symptoms, back off that exertion. That's not how we operate here at UPMC. Um, we're much more targeted and much more really active in how we treat this. And right now, um, the big things coming out of our program is us proving that through our randomized controlled trials that this approach works better than that approach. And, and you're going to see over the next several years, even months even, that our outcomes are going to improve by being more targeted in how we approach this injury. So now do the, the different types of concussions um, that you guys are identifying, does the mechanism of injury, like where the head um, is impacted, uh, whether it's a rotational or linear force, does that play to effect with any, um, any of your findings? It's a great question. And the answer is not really, no. Okay. Um, now, anecdotally, I can tell you that hitting the back of your head is not real good for you. And we see a lot of those patients here. And there's a lot of things that can be affected by that. But no, I would not say there's any, don't think about this as a, as a, as a, like this part of your brain is injured type of injury. Cause that's not the way it works. It's more of this metabolic crisis and different systems become decompensated from that. Okay. Uh, Anthony, want to comment on it? Yeah. And how, and how it's connected, you know, it's, it's not like you're, you're saying just a, a section is injured as, as Mickey just said, it, it, it's an interconnectedness with the injury and you're seeing pathways disrupted. And that's going to affect processes. And, you know, some of these processes kind of share similar pathways in the brain. A good example is the vestibular and anxiety piece. Uh, and we've actually published papers that show that those two uh, sets or domains of symptoms occur oftentimes at the same time in the same patient. And so we see some of that shared sort of pathway in the brain being damaged. Many of you, you may not realize that car sickness is one of the biggest risk factors that we've learned about here being a risk factor for a longer, not only to get a concussion, but to have a longer outcome from it. Okay. And that is the vestibular system and people with a history of car sickness are more likely to have anxiety. There's real biology between these systems. And if you think about this critically, if you have a vestibular type of, it's gonna trigger anxiety. And then when the patient starts moving, it triggers the vestibular deficits, which then triggers the anxiety. And then patients will try to condition themselves not to move in certain ways because of it. And the way you treat a vestibular problem is by retraining it. It's not rest. And so that whole international consensus, like back off exertion and back off if there's symptoms does not work for patients with that type of concussion because you have to retrain that system to get it better. And so there's a lot of clinicians out there that aren't in a targeted way approaching this injury. And that's why the outcomes are worse, if that makes sense to you. And you can think of it like exercise. It's an exposed recover model. Um, you know, when you first start exercising, there's a little discomfort, some mild symptoms, but that actually shows that you're taxing that system a little bit. And, you know, the key in the clinical challenge is to balance how much of that is okay and how much isn't. And, and that's what we're working on now with our research. And also, it's very important that these patients are seen by a specialist that knows how to do this because if you push too hard, there can be significant consequences and outcome as well. There's, so think of that vestibular circle. There's probably 15 different permutations of that within that circle. And some patients have problems with more horizontal movement. Some patients with more vertical movements. Patients, some patients have what's called visual motion sensitivity, which is more like busy environments bothering them. For each of those different types of vestibular problems, there's different types of movements. And there's also the risk of 
triggering migraine in those patients or severe anxiety in those patients. And so it's, it, it's really important to be seen by a clinician that knows how to measure this, look at it, and then how to rehab it. Awesome. And I know you guys do a lot of outreach where you're, you're training a lot of the next um, practitioners to be able to recognize this, not in just Pittsburgh area, but to go take it back to their, their hometowns so we can find um, uh, proper concussion specialists all over the country, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting field because everything's changing so quickly. And some of the consensus statements haven't caught up to the, the more recent advances so okay. that's a challenge for you as athletic trainers um, is to where to get your information from. Um, yes, to answer your question, I do believe there's really good concussion programs popping up all over the country. Um, but yes, we have a long way to go with that. Um, and so there's different philosophies in this stuff too. And without randomized controlled trials, that's kind of what you get. And that's why we're so... Uh, aggressively doing research to prove our model and to really have outcomes that show this is effective and 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 we're really way ahead of the curve there in terms of doing that through our research program here yeah one interesting finding we had uh, published last year in the jama neurology was was focused on the time from injury to getting into care specialty care and what we found is that those those athletes that came in within the first week had much better outcomes, were less likely to have persistent post-concussion symptoms uh, than athletes who, ca who came in 8, 10, 12 days post-injury. Even though um, the severity of those that came in earlier sometimes was, was greater, they, they got on a pathway to recovery faster through behavioral management and targeted approaches. And, and that's are, really critical. And we actually found that the variable that best predicted outcomes after concussion time to clinic time to the first visit in clinic was the most powerful predictor of outcome that was more predictive than migraine or other factors that we see history of concussion i think there was many others involved in yeah. the study so it is important to 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 realize that getting these kids in for specialty treatment is is only going to help get them back in the field sooner so I'm, I'm curious you guys talk, touched on a little bit but do we know or do we understand the biology um, you know, how, how we got from the energy crisis to affecting these other systems, um, specifically like the vestibular, like you said, it's not a specific part of the brain. So how, how does this energy crisis then turn into, you know, interrupting these, these systems that we're talking about? Well, it interferes with their ability to effectively run effectively. And, and now one thing you want to know is that concussion fights dirty and whatever system you bring to the table that's weak can predict your type of concussion you're going to get. So okay. people with a history of car sickness, because that system, the vestibular system mediates that, that system is a little weaker in that individual, they're more likely to go down the vestibular pathway after a head injury. Um, same thing with the history of amblyopia or strabismus, any oculomotor dysfunction, you're more likely to have ocular problems. Patients with a history of migraine are more likely to have migraine. Patients with a history of anxiety are more likely to be anxious. Yeah. And et cetera. Patients with learning disability more likely to have cognitive issues. And we've proven that. We have papers to support every one of those statements. And, and so really, the way I want you to think about it is there's this energy crisis in the cells and neurons. And these systems that are weaker are going to decompensate more easily in that individual versus an individual that, don't, that does not have those risk factors. Yeah, and in the example of vestibular, too, it, it's a centrally mediated effect. 
So it's not a peripheral vestibular problem. It's, a brain it, it's problem. the brain's integration of sensory okay. information and acting upon that. That's where the, where the, okay. Brain that that's helpful. Yeah. Okay. Nope. That makes a lot of sense. So, you know, based off of that and, and, and understanding that there's all these systems that are, are in play, what, what are you all doing um, to, to evaluate these systems? And, and what, what do you recommend that as athletic trainers that we do? Yeah, great question. And um, assessment of this injury is important because in order to figure out the different problems, you know, you have to evaluate it and measure it the right way. Just to let you know, and Anthony can speak on this as well, but we've not found any biomarkers to be predictive of okay. this model. At this point in time, there's no blood test that we have. There's no MRI. There's no image. A lot of smart people are looking at those issues, including here at UPMC. We're doing a lot of that work, but we don't have a at this point in time for this injury. And quite honestly, it's probably quite a ways down the road if that ever occurs. We've been looking at, the, at that for Alzheimer's disease for four decades and haven't found it. Now, um, so what we're left to is our, is, is our tools that help us evaluate this pro these problems. And the tools that we utilize here at UPMC, um, we use IMPACT still. Mm -hmm. um, that's the, uh, one of the few FDA approved tools yep. to, to look at this injury. And that was developed through our program. Um, and one thing that you should know is there's different neurocognitive correlates to these different profiles of injury. And so you may have patients that have oculomotor problems that have reaction time and visual memory deficits, for example. And once you look at the impact data, it can kind of cue you, oh, that looks ocular. And then you do the VOMS and the VOMS is going to look at the near point of convergence, the CADs and pursuits and all that stuff fits together, if that makes sense to you. And mm -hmm. then, so you look at impact, you look at the VOMS. And then the third piece of it is ask is, is understanding where they're having symptoms. So let's run through it. You have an oculomotor uh, problem after concussion. There's visual motor speed. I'm sorry, there's reaction time and visual memory deficits and impact. Then on the VOMs, you see the near point of convergence is eight to 10 centimeters with a left exophoria. Okay. And then you find out the kid's having a hard time in math class and is really tired at the end of the day with a bifrontal headache. Well, there's only one problem that can create all those areas of concern, and that's an oculomotor problem. Okay. Whereas with a vestibular problem, you'll have visual motor speed deficits and impact you'll be dizzy in busy environments and when you move your head quickly um, and you'll have, you know, a history of car sickness perhaps. And on the VOMs, you'll have problems with VOR or VMS or both. And so the, what I'm trying to say here is that it, these are tools that lead you to where the aberrant signal is coming from. And those tools are a really good clinical interview, the right neurocognitive testing, the right physical exam and the form of the VOMs is very sensitive to this injury. And then most importantly is understanding how the injury presents itself so you can put that all together. Yeah, and I, and I would add to that, that the vestibular ocular motor screening uh, that Dr. Collins is talking about, the VOMS, you know, we're finding now, so athletic trainers, right, oftentimes it's, it's time of injury or, or soon thereafter the evaluation's occurring. Uh, the VOMS is very useful in that early post-injury time point in addition to at the clinic. And it's something that typically isn't done right now. You know, it's not a part of the current standard of care and it really ought to be moving forward. And, I, and I'll add to that, we're actually, there's some pretty compelling data coming out from us and many others that shows the VOMS is more sensitive than the SCAT and looking at this injury, much more sensitive. And so our sideline tools that we utilize in the form of the SCAT, we're finding may not be as sensitive as you'd like. 
with this injury. And I think a lot of athletic trainers would echo those thoughts. And, and we're finding the VOMs to be a, a little better at uncovering patients that are having problems. Anthony, you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, you know, really, honestly, the, the study's not out yet, so we can't talk about all the specifics, but it'll be coming out in the American Journal of Sports Medicine and not uh, too far in the future here, I think this fall uh, coming up or the summer, and it really shows that the VOMs in isolation is more effective than any, any component of the SCAT. Uh, and when you combine that with symptoms, you, you get a pretty good measure of whether or not somebody's got a concussion or doesn't, and also what type of concussion they're starting and I to can, have. I can add to the good news. The VOMS takes about three to five minutes, and the SCAT takes a much longer. So right. uh, the field is evolving rapidly, um, and having an effective sideline test is important. And then, you know, getting them out of the field to play, not putting them back to play, that's still the same thing we've been talking about for, dec you know, for two yep. decades now. And then... The newest information is getting them to a specialty clinic that can treat the injury and getting them in as quickly as possible so you can get on the right treatments. If we do all those things, assess it properly on the sideline, get them out of play, get them specialty care, I think we can really change the, the conversation around this injury in a very meaningful way. Yeah, and that's where athletic training has such an important role in that handoff of the initial evaluation to that specialty care. Uh, and, and if it doesn't happen in the absence of that, you know, you're going to get a less robust outcome and, and a longer recovery than if you can get them into that specialty care. And that's yes. why here at UPMC, I mean, we have our protocols are in place about when an athlete's injured, they're taken out of play and they're seen by us here at UPMC within 72 hours of, of their call. It's policy. And we get these patients in and we get them in the right lanes and we work with the athletic trainer. You know, we communicate back to them what's going on and here's the treatment plan. And then they, they help us implement that. And then we get them back to play safely. I think it's a very effective uh, program we have here in that regard. Yeah. It, it almost sounds like you, you somewhat have like an algorithm um, yeah. and, and you know, one, is there a place that we, that you can reference that where, you know, athletic trainers can read about that and, you know, maybe dive into some of your specific treatments that y'all are talking about for these specific different um, systems that are that are apparent? I think in a, in, a, in a cursory way, yeah, being familiar with this is critical. But in terms of delivering that treatment, no, we want specialized physical therapy and specialized care for it because there's so, it, this gets complicated very quickly. We're talking about the brain. We're talking about making sure that we see full resolution before patients go back to play. We're talking about how risk factors can play a big role with outcomes. Um, we have here at UPMC, we have, I don't know, 35 vestibular therapists around the city. They're trained completely how to, that, that's their training is to how to do vestibular therapy. And we run into a lot of zebras and not horses with this. You gotta be really careful. Um, we want that specialty care delivered in terms okay. of how to treat this injury. Yeah, and, and our research has taken it to the next level to provide evidence behind things like timing of treatment, uh, dosage, how often, how intense, uh, and you know when to dial back, when to, when to kind of dial up. And, and right now, that's, that's, we rely on the expertise of those vestibular therapists to kind of tweak those dials. But um, moving forward, you know, we're hopeful that you start to match the assessment with the dose, with the outcome, and then track it over time. And, and that's where it becomes a real evidence-based approach. Yeah. Another no. thing I want to add um, that is, you know, you talked about what's the exciting stuff recently. 
maybe the most exciting thing we're doing beyond what we've discussed is how we're exerting patients with this injury now and how movement actually treats concussion when you have certain profile and how certain types of movement can get the patients better faster and real, again, real active treatment. Now you gotta, the exertion stuff we do has to be targeted to certain profiles and certain problems. Um, but if you come to me with a headache, there's probably a hundred percent chance I'm working you out. I'm not backing you off of things, but we have to move you in certain ways to treat it. If that makes sense. It, it, it does. And, and I'm, you know, the energy part comes back into, into my, my mind and talking, you know, any injury, like, you know, activity, you know, motion is lotion, right. Keeping them moving is important. Um, you know, what, what is your all's thought about, you know, using like lactate as a, as an energy source for the brain. And, and I've, I've heard some protocols there. Any, any, any thoughts no, on that? No, I don't There's nothing there that we've seen research wise that would be effective. Look, when potassium leaks out of the cell and calcium leaks in the cell, which causes this vasoconstriction and sort of energy metabolic crisis, that resolves within a day or two. Oh, okay. And those energy, that energy problem is gone after okay. that. Okay. So it's not a long-term energy problem. No. It's, it's okay. In fact, the cell's health is normal. It's just certain systems become decompensated from that energy problem, that, from that initial energy problem. Okay. And so nothing you know what we're actually doing here is retraining it's not you know treating through energy production okay okay so i i've also heard um from a nutrition perspective like creatine being protective against that and so nothing like that from an energy system there's there's bioenergetics you know really honestly there's a lot of claims made about if you take this if you do that yep um and i won't go into all the nuances of of what we've heard over the years but um you know they all sort of fall on their face when it comes down to doing good independent evidence rather than anecdote from a you know a star athlete or something like that and i'll actually tell you that those types of claims make our jobs a lot harder because mm-hmm. that feeds the anxieties around this and you start searching for treatments that are, that are, aren't evidence-based and you're going to go down rabbit holes with this stuff. And I think that we, we got to be careful about making sure that the evidence is available to prove the treatments work. Um, and that's what we're working in a painstaking way to make sure that happens through our program. Yeah. There, there's no magic test or silver bullet uh, for this injury. And that's for sure. Everyone needs to keep in mind. For sure. So can you real quickly before, before we jump off, you know, the, you, you're talking about the exertion. Can you explain your thought process on why that is helpful? Yeah, because the way you treat a vestibular problem is through movement. Okay. And so just as a, as a, as a moving being like, that's just helping you with balance and, and being active. Yeah. And balance is more, it's more of a descending pathway through the spinal cord. What we're talking here is more head and eye movement and coordinating all that. Okay, so That's coordinating the ascending it. pathway that is most likely affected by concussion. Um, and so the way we treat that is by rehabituating the brain to, to, to educate it, you know, tell the brain it's normal to move that, that way. And you're going to kick up symptoms doing it, but you need to retrain the system. And it's really interesting how, like, we're doing some studies right now looking at heart rate doesn't predict anything with this injury movement does and so like things like the buffalo treadmill test and Mm -hmm. certain things and you know uh, 
this really from a different angle than what's been done to this point in terms of the rehab strategies. Anthony? Yeah, I, I think you also have a, a big sort of confound here when you look at the Buffalo and, and aerobic based tests, because what they don't, they don't take into consideration is the athletes who are deconditioned because they haven't been doing anything. And if you look at a lot of the studies that were published early on, especially that's what was going on. They were chronic deconditioned athletes and all of a sudden they started exercising. So there was an improvement, which, which you would expect because they were deconditioned in contrast, Mickey and, and I are thinking more in terms of like this dynamic a vestibular movement. And, and if you can match the heart rate, and then the only thing you change is that head movement, that's where you okay. can really start to tease out different sort of expose recover and assessment of symptoms and things like that. And we have a study ongoing right now looking at that very issue. We're excited to see what the results are. Yeah, okay. if we can do this podcast again next year, that'll be, we'll be able to talk more about that. Updates. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I like sure. that idea. So um, our, our goal is really to return our athletes safely. Um, is there a list of requirements or how do you guys determine when it is safe? I know you talked about the, um, just hitting the, hitting the marks, hitting the targets. Uh, what are we looking for? Yeah. So the criteria that I would use to, for any athlete that we clear back to play, um, I want to make sure the concussion is fully resolved. And that sounds simple, but, but if it's a vestibular issue, we want to make sure they can move dynamically and up and down and multi-plane side to side ways without having any symptoms of dizziness or headache or any problems along those lines. We wanna make sure the neurocognitive data is completely normal as determined by someone that knows how to read that data. We wanna make sure that they um, are doing well in busy hallways and classrooms and grocery stores because that's a very you know, provocative place for those patients. Um, and, and you know, we all know what the criteria are for return to play, symptom-free at rest, symptom-free with exertion, normal neurocognitive data. But for us, it's a lot more complicated because for an ocular motor concussion, for example, they need to be doing well in math class and reading and science, and they shouldn't be having any frontal headaches. They shouldn't be tired at the end of the day. Their impact data has to be normal across certain domains that we look at. And so again, this is speaking to the specialty care of this injury. You want to make sure a clinician knows how to look at this and clear these athletes appropriately. And it's not as simple of, how are you feeling? And then looking at an impact test to determine that it's a lot more complicated. Um, so there's a lot of depth to the answer to that question. Um, in general, the, the principle of being symptom free at rest and exertion still applies, but it's a little more complicated in how we look at that, given the new knowledge we have about the different types of concussions. And then how long um, have you guys seen full recovery take? So there, there's return to play and we know they're safe to return to play at that point, but you know, sometimes they might experience a little um, hiccups or deficits here or there where they'll, they'll have to be pulled out for a little bit. How long are you guys seeing that full recovery is taking? Well, there's research that would, Anthony, when you speak to the research. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of, excuse me, a lot on that issue. A lot of factors, you know, it's, it's not like a, how long does it take to recover from a concussion? It, it, it's how long does it take if you have X, Y, and Z. So example would be like, you know, if you have migraine history, if you have motion uh, sensitivities, um, if you have a high symptom burden early on or dizziness right at the time of injury, those are all harbingers for a longer recovery. In contrast, if you're a, a college age male with no risk factors whatsoever, um, they tend to recover pretty well from most injuries. But in contrast, you know, you put a female with migraine history, motion sensitivity, and a, and a symptom score off the charts and dizziness at the time of injury, 
uh, she's probably going to go down a, a longer pathway to recovery. And we're talking really like a week to many months looking at our data. The average recovery time, we published a paper in neurosurgery looking at this issue was essentially 30 days uh, for you know, your average recovery from concussion. But again, like Anthony said, that college kid that has no risk factors should get better pretty quickly. And the female with all those other issues is probably going to take a few months to recover. So there's a lot of, again, that's why individualized assessment is, is really important here. And it's an additive effect. And, and you know, we mentioned yeah. female as one of those additive piece, you know, being a middle adolescence versus younger or older, uh, having those histories of migraine motion, you start adding those up. If you have three or more of those factors, um, it starts to really create almost a dose response for, for the amount of time it's going to take you to recover. And by the way, the factor that best predicts outcome is how quickly they get they take to get in clinic. So, so yeah, you, I mean, you keep making that point, and it's obviously very valid. What you know, you are in in Pittsburgh. You know, there's a lot of rural areas. I mean, how does every single con concussion are you recommending goes to a clinic? Like, what 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 are your recommendations, and what are your recommendations for those that might not have access to to a clinic like you? Those are all great questions. I think there are really good programs, concussion programs. Um, um, we're just reporting the data. Okay. Um, and so we have a lot of work to do um, to where this type of model is used everywhere across the country. I think there's really good programs popping up. If you don't have access to a program, if, if you live in this area, it's completely doable, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you don't, then I think the information we're sharing with you is, will be really helpful to the athletic trainers to better understand the complexity of this. And, you know, and try to find resources in their area that can help them with it. That's the yeah. best advice I can give. To do, do the best you can to evaluate and, and try to identify some of these, these um, deficits and then find people that can fill those holes if we don't have an actual whole program. And the cool and thing is, is if there's athletic trainers that are listening to this that are like, wow, this is new information. There's a lot of really cool things to do to learn about this. There's a lot of depth to it. Okay. And our research is, is out there. We've published a ton on this stuff. We've written books. Anthony, I've written a book on this. Um, we give lectures a lot, you know, so I, I'm the biggest supporter of athletic training you can find. And I really advocate for the athletic trainers to really dive, dive deep with this information. Um, and, you know, I, I understand the rural nature of, of many folks out there and you just do the best you can. That's gotcha. about the best advice I can give. Do you guys want to share the, the title of the book? I think it's concussion. <laughs> yeah, concussion? I think it's a concussion, a clinical profiles yeah. approach. Okay, okay. Anthony gets all the royalties. Yeah, I make, it, so. I make all the big bucks. <laughs> you know how books are these days. I was going to say, you're getting rich, right? Yeah. Amazon killed that, right? I think it made <laughs> yep. $5.70 last month. <laughs> it costs more to make it than it did to, to actually much. sell yeah. it. Yeah. It's for the people, not for us. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, that's a, that's a great resource. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to look that up. Um, Hold on. I'm going to show it. We can like do a little advertisement here. Awesome. There you go. Well, that's what it's all about. Right. Isn't that a beautiful cover? Right. It's wait, back oh, moving around a bit. On there. Oh, that's weird. Oh, that is weird. <laughs> Just like it vanishes out, huh? Yeah. It's not allowed. Oh, there, oh, there, we, go. there we go. Yeah, we got it a little bit. <laughs> nice. Doesn't we'll like put it, we'll put it in the show notes for sure. We'll, it's we'll blocking our commercial aspect of our podcast here. There you go. Yep. All right. Um, Phil, anything else? I think that's all I have on their time. 
on my list. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, I, I appreciate you guys jumping on real quick and, and having this conversation with us. I think it was, it was, you know, super valuable for me. I know it was quick, but I, I think we got a lot of good information. So I really appreciate you guys coming on. Um, any, any, if, if there, if people have questions or anywhere that they can reach out to you guys or, yeah. or, or UPMC in general. Absolutely. Um, I can be reached by, by email, uh, okay. collinsmw at upmc.edu. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, Contos it's, it's a Contos K O N T O S at pit.edu and there's also uh websites for uh concussion oh. rethink concussion yeah so the website uh yeah rethink concussions.com okay. yep. um, yep. i'll link it all in the good, show notes it's a good uh layman uh website for the model that we're talking about here and a lot of it's actually some really good information on that website perfect Perfect. Well, again, thank you guys. Um, and a huge thank you to UPMC Sports Medicine for their sponsorship of this episode. Um, and to our viewers, thank you for listening. And uh, make sure you, to remember to like and subscribe. Until next time, I'm Adam Richman. And I'm Philip Hensler. And this was the Pats Podcast. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Awesome. awesome. Thanks Gentlemen, for jumping on, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you so it. much.